0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Things. I'm Kevin from Vela Wood. Three Things is our podcast where we ask entrepreneurs three things they've learned while starting their business. So with us today is Michael Walsh from Caroloop. Michael's the CEO of Caroloop. For any of you in the Dallas community, I'm sure at this point in time, you have seen Michael around town We've had the opportunity to work with Michael for, I think, five years now. Is five that years. right, Michael?
1: Yeah, since the beginning.
0: Well, Michael, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about CareLoop?
1: Thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit nostalgic thinking back on that first lunch when I told you what we were trying to do. And you know, it was Trey that introduced us. That was at Urban Taco,
0: I think? Yeah. Urban Taco still here, but they moved into a bigger space. One of the few restaurants that's still here from five years I, ago.
1: And I remember it like it was yesterday, yeah. like, and you took the time to just kind of walk me through some of the things I should have been thinking about. Yeah, pleasure to be here at 30,000 feet. For those that maybe have seen us around town, CareLoop, we call it the world's first tech-enabled caregiver support platform. We graduated from Health Wildcatters in 2013 here in town. We raised about $3.6 in private equity from some great Dallas and Fort Worth names like Green Park and Golf, and a lot of folks that have been really affiliated with the digital health scene here in town. For which, of course, Bayla Woods has been there every step of the way. Thank you very much. Um, we primarily focus on selling our platform to employers as part of their employee benefit program, usually plugs into their wellness program to help employees as they're trying to take care of their parents, their grandparents, their spouses, their siblings, their friends, whoever it is. Really, really cool. what We get to do every day, you know, help families and caregivers as they're trying to piece the puzzle together when they're planning for and managing all these different things when they're trying to take care of somebody. It's one of the most stressful things that we would say you ever have to go through. So when you have a platform like CareLoop on your side, you don't have to go through it by yourself. Yeah, a lot of fun we get to do.
0: One of the key focuses for me, Michael, as I do this, is to talk about your business in the stage of where it is, right? I mean, we represent a lot of startups here. And they all go through the same thing, just at different points in their, their business lifecycle. Before I get to the questions I wrote down, you said something very interesting a second ago. You said we've raised three point six. You say? $3.6, 3.6 million from private equity. You didn't say venture. Which is really interesting because you guys aren't venture backed, right? You're right. not a traditional venture model. You know, when you came in here five years ago, we thought, well, we're going to go raise money. We'll just go to venture companies because that's how people raise money. I can tell you from experience yes, there are very distinct differences from raising from private equity firms, high net worths, family offices, than raising venture. And depending on your business, I believe this firm is now better positioned to help guide you down that path this was a little bit of a learning curve for us, right? As we initially went out and started to raise capital. So talk just a little bit generally about raising from private equity versus maybe our early experiences trying to raise from more traditional venture avenues.
1: Yeah, we've certainly, and I'm not, I guess I should preface all of what what I'm about to say. I'm not from Dallas. I'm originally from Chicago, as you know, but I moved to Dallas and we didn't have a, a network of investor contacts, venture contacts. And this is my first startup, my first venture. So I was brand new at this. And as I got to know the Dallas community, there's that bootstrap mentality that a lot of startups here in town have. Right after we graduated from Health Wildcatters, what we learned pretty quickly was, was that to put together a seed round of a half a million bucks, you were going to have to really build some relationships with some private folks and get to know some family offices, some high net worth individuals. And so that first seed round, yeah, that's what it was. It was, I want to say it was like 15 or 20 checks that comprised the half a million bucks. But these have been our biggest supporters, our biggest advocates now since the very beginning. And so it's been a huge blessing for us, the way we've done this and how we've grown very responsibly. Uh, So we did that first initial round of a half a million. We did a subsequent convertible debt round that we did after that for I think it was like another half a million. We did what we call that round, Kevin, a Series AA round.
0: Yeah, Series AA, that's correct. Yeah,
1: which was a $1.2 million Mm -hmm. round. And then we just did another convertible debt round. So just little by little, we've been still that bootstrap mentality is carried through. And I think it's been a bit of a blessing because we were kind of early with what we were doing we had been venture backed and raised that first seed of, you know, what, two and a half or five million. The We're, expectations are so right. hard, right? We, we didn't know. We didn't know at the time.
0: And so. there was a there was a recent report that I'm actually about to put out some notes on that talked about the average increase in valuation between rounds. It's usually two to two and a half X. And then that number gets bigger as the rounds get bigger or as the rounds get later. But if you're at a $5 million valuation for your seed round and then you got to raise money a year later at 10 or, or 12 and a half. And if the numbers don't justify and for a product like Michael's where there was some, I'd say some small pivots internally as we kind of figured it out. And then the sales cycle is long, right? right. I mean, You've got huge... You're, to get your customers, you have to go through huge channel partners. So talk a little bit about kind of figuring out what that sales cycle was and then how that integrated with the cash and what your burn was.
1: This is actually... This was part of the exciting thing about our model to an investor was is that our contracts out of the box are three to five years in length. So We've got monthly recurring revenue from established employers and corporations for the next however many years. But yeah, we had to spend some time to kind of figure out how that was going to be packaged and promoted. So when you're working with a smaller or mid-sized employer, you're right, Kev, like the sales cycle could be anywhere from 30 to maybe 90 days. But as soon as you start working with the big boys, you know, the AT&Ts or the Texas Instruments or the Brinker Internationals or whoever it is, it could easily be 180 to 360 days of sales cycle. So learning that very early on was a key piece of this. And that's why we did what we did with the fundraising strategies. A little bit at a time while we keep building brick by brick. And you keep going back to your board and your investors every quarter, showing them the progress. And you remember it was stressful for a little while there just funding the company kind of quarter by quarter, just making sure we were doing what we needed to do. And But I wouldn't take any of it back. Like To me, it was the right way to do it. We were early. We needed to figure some things out. And It would have been a totally different story had we raised a big venture round early on.
0: So I think a good learning point for any of you who might have a long sales cycle is if you have a long sales cycle, but the payoff is contracted revenue, right? that's multiple years, then that's valuable. Okay, Michael, I want to get into the questions that I have. So the first one is, knowing what you know now, if you had the ability to give yourself startup-related advice five years ago, what would it be? So today's Michael can go back and talk to the, the Michael that just got up from the lunch we had five years ago, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Focus on bringing great people to the table and establish a culture, really understand and clearly communicate why you're doing what you're doing. You know, CareLoop's mission is an emotional one for a lot of families. And it's one of these that if you don't clearly communicate why you're doing it, it can get lost. So that was something that very early on as a first-time entrepreneur, I nearly, I nearly killed the company over. I hadn't actually communicated what it was we were doing and why we were doing it.
0: Yeah, so let's explore this a little bit. What did you learn from and what can we share with someone that hopefully someone else won't make the same mistake?
1: Yeah, I mean, my co-founder and I, we saw what we were trying to do pretty clearly. Like the mission all along hasn't really changed a whole lot. But I think after we came out of Health Wildcatters, we were so excited about the prospect of building this really cool technology and monetizing it that we missed a critical step. And that was actually telling the investors, the customers, the users why we were doing this. And it pointed us down a path that we were building the company very dictatorially, if that's mm-hmm. even a word. Like it it didn't, no one was excited to come be part of this thing right. at, at the beginning because they didn't know why we were doing it. And so until we made some of those mistakes and made a couple pivots along the way and figured out that we've got to get clear on this. So maybe change things.
0: you knew your vision, but you were having a hard time sharing just it. Just
1: didn't, yeah, didn't put it on paper right. and didn't put it out there for the world to see. So once we did, radical paradigm shifting change. Uh, So highly recommend any entrepreneur getting started. I don't care if it's just you. Why are you doing it? And make sure you can at least tell yourself and everybody else why you're doing it.
0: Isn't it so interesting now that you're five years in and you have an org structure and you have people who can kind of do more the day to day, how easy it is now to take a step back and look at your business and how hard that is when you're in year one or two, but how valuable it is, right?
1: Totally is. Again, so many lessons learned and I still have so many mistakes yet to make. But I have a different perspective on it now. I'm a lot more comfortable with it.
0: Okay. Question number two. Mm-hmm. What's one thing about building a business that has been much harder than you thought it would be?
1: It takes a lot of time. It's not just time out of your day. It just takes a lot of time for things to develop. You're talking about the sales cycles and how hard we've had to grind it out to raise each round. I mean, those that first $2.2 million that we raised, Kev, remember the average check size was 25000 right. bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, do the math. Like, So it just it takes a lot of time to build these relationships and get things in place the right way. And I think this is what part of the problem is with so many of these big venture-backed companies is they skip all these steps. Like They just they want to jump straight to the end and go after the treasure. So it just, it takes time. So I mean, one of my mentors has always coached me on the three Ps, be patient, be persistent, be professional. Don't try to rush to the end, be persistent along the way, and don't be an a-hole. Right. Like, be professional. If you, if you lose a deal, there's a way to, to to carry yourself with grace and walk on to the next one.
0: So it, you say it takes a lot of time. Are there things you could have accelerated or is that just part of it that it just takes time?
1: I think in the B2B space, things can just take time. Yeah. This wasn't a consumer like app that you could go and right. I could get a million dollars. That's not what this was. And because we were so early, the market wasn't really there. I think we were expecting to come in and just say, hey, look at this great thing we've built. Like, if you build it, they will. It just... It didn't happen that way
0: you know one of the things I, I tell our startups is when you make a mistake that's this is just part of the process i think a lot of startups like to say man i lost six months due to that mistake no you didn't you are now six months ahead of whoever's behind you right or man we spent 200 grand on tech that we're not using that's okay like the only way you would have got to the tech that you are using is to spend the 200 grand, the tech you're not using. It's just not the tech that you're not using, but it's the process dealing with developers going back and forth with them. Hey, I'm not happy with this. How do we change this? The internal process of reviewing the tech, all of those things are just part of the process. So I think it's a great point, Michael. I definitely see that in all of our startups.
1: We made, I mean, some of the things you're saying we've done those and right. I had to like tell my, my engineering team, my debt like
0: no big deal right. guys.
1: Like if we didn't do that, we wouldn't see now Correct. what we have to do. Maybe some sometime in the future we'll come back and do this again. But yeah, it's 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 a thing for sure. Okay.
0: So final question. Well let me frame this a little bit. I think everyone goes into a business and they're very excited about the challenge. That's that's kind of your personality. And we saw that five years ago. They're excited about the potential outcome, right? Everyone is excited about that. You know, you see unicorns and rainbows and of your Excel charts for revenues are going straight Whee! up top into the right, right? <laughs> so those things, yes, we're all excited about. It's fun to build a business. It's fun to get people that you care about working closely with you and it doesn't even feel like work. So excuse all that stuff, Michael. What's one thing that's been really rewarding that you didn't foresee?
1: You know... You're touching on a little bit of it, but let me just frame it in a different way, especially in digital health, where you're building platforms, products, and services that hopefully make someone's life a little bit happier, healthier, whatever it is. To be part of a group like this that's constructing something that didn't exist before, where the best alternative for a caregiver family was to Google your way through this, to build something that you get the feedback from that family that says, like, this made a difference in my life, like, this changed the trajectory for my mom, my dad, what That's something. I can't put a word or a quantity behind it, but it's so much more than an Excel chart. Right. It's been the highlight of of every day of of my career to to be able to do something like this that I didn't necessarily understand getting into it that I was going to feel.
0: I think that's a great way... To wrap that up, I think that proves that you're doing what you need to be doing, right? This is right for you. Okay, so those are my three questions. I want to give you a a bit of a forum, Michael, to share anything with founders. Now, again, we can't coach founders through everything over a a podcast, but is there a point that maybe I haven't brought up yet or you haven't had the opportunity to touch on that you would want to share with people?
1: Especially when you're early on, you're getting started. I talked about great people. My mentors, advisors, I mean, you included have been fantastic. There's so many great people here in the community that want to help you. One of the things that I've seen a lot of founders struggle with is that ability to ask for help and you need to, you got to get over your ego and ask for help. So surround yourself with really smart people, tell them what's going on, communicate those updates. I remember you were always telling me how great that was that you got those updates Mm -hmm. like every month, every quarter, like tell people what's going on, ask for help, you know, share some, some wins, some losses, like put it out there because people naturally will want to flock and jump in and help you.
0: Yeah. So if there's any real new people to the startup scene in Dallas, there's some places you can find this stuff out. You can figure this out. Follow us on Twitter at Vela Woodlaw for sure. Check out LaunchDFW. It's a pretty good repository for information. Hang out at Capital Factory. Just look for events at Capital Factory. The deck is now out of Capital Factory. Go stop by Common Desk or any of the WeWork spots for a day or two. Just kind of see what's going on. All these guys have programming. I always tell people that if you're new to the Dallas startup scene and you plug yourself in in three months, you'll know eighty percent of what you need to know. Right? That's what we did. And like I mean, I was to going know. to all those yep. same
1: events and I, that's where I met all these people. Like you gotta do it. You just
0: get plugged in. It's a really exciting time with what we have going on here. And you know, Caraloop's gonna be a big part of that because they're gonna continue to grow, they're gonna continue to hire, they will continue to raise capital, and then they'll have a big exit and they'll reinvest all those dollars <sighs> yes, back sir. in the ecosystem. Can't wait. All right, guys. So in closing, again, this was Kevin with Michael Walsh from Caraloop. You can follow Michael on Twitter, at Walsh Michael R. Michael, what's the uh, CareLoop Twitter handle? Just, just at CareLoop. Okay, mm-hmm. at Caraloop. Of course, Vela Wood is at Vela Wood Law. Check out our other podcasts, our Office Hour podcast. We've done other rev- other interviews like this. Our Silicon Valley review, that'll be popping up back up in the spring. You know, We're reviewing a Silicon Valley episode by episode. Finally, you can find show notes on our blog at VelaWoodLaw.com or via the link in the iTunes episode description. Thank you very much for tuning in. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks.
1: The Vaylewood Podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes
0: Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at